Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another excellent episode that you are about to watch on <laughs> Finding Peaks here. Brandon Burns, Chief Executive Officer of Peaks Recovery Centers, joined by a special guest today, Kevin Miller, podcast expert, as I know him, at least yeah. in this moment. We'll learn more uh, with the podcast Self Helpful. He'll brag a little bit about it throughout the episode, uh, as well as um, talk more about it. We'll provide links, all the important things, so that you can find uh, him on uh, the podcast uh, in the future. And uh, also joined today, Jason Friesma, Chief Clinical Officer, All Things Clinical, joined on the program. And before I maybe dive into a, my own introduction uh, here as well, too, I think, Jason, you want to say a few yeah. words about Kevin? Um. Kevin, I, I do want to thank you for coming on Finding Peaks. It, it is really a big honor because we are kind of a big deal and we're, you know, fledgling, I would say, uh, in our podcast endeavor. Um, but I, I really wanted to, you know, Kevin and I, we were talking before the show. We go way back. I think we figured maybe 17 years or so um, in, in our lives have woven in and out of each other. But, um, you know, Kevin, for me, you know, as I was driving down this morning, like, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, like, that uh, when my son Noah was 11 years old, and um, I'm, I'm, I won't belabor this story, but, like, he had a tumor in his head, and it was by far this, some of the most scary moments of my life occurred yeah. during that time, and um, one of the things was is that the, the children's hospital in Denver couldn't help him or treat him, and I asked them where, where can he get treatment, and they said Vanderbilt Hospital in Nashville, and I'm like, make us an appointment. Never been to Nashville, never set foot in Tennessee. Um, and some, somewhere along the way, somebody called and said, hey, you know, Kevin Miller's family lives there. And I called you and it, we, we flew to your family's house on Mother's Day that, that year of 2011. And they yeah. took us in for a month uh, as we walked through um, the, the amazing roller coaster that was that journey. And um, yeah was so grateful to you and, and to your parents for letting us in. So, um, yeah, I, I just want to start with that because uh, that meant a lot to me. It still does mean a lot to me. If I talk to any more about it, get choked up. Like, I just really want to thank you for that kind of publicly. I, I know I thanked you back in the day, but yeah. My, my honor to be a part of it. Yeah, it was totally. awesome. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> well, and, and, and in lieu of that, I think, you know, here at Finding Peaks, we've, we've talked a lot about well, one, the thing that I love talking about is disrupting, you know, the industry, the behavioral health industry that we work in. And I think as we've gone on and explored some of these episodes, you know, from, the, you know, the feedback from Finding Peaks at PeaksRecovery.com, continue to send us your ideas, thoughts, opinions. But, you know, I can only, uh, you know, point at so many ways to disrupt this. And at times, I think it's important to learn from others about their own journeys, their processes. Um, how they've grown, developed, you know, businesses, provided solutions, opportunities like your podcast, Kevin, and so forth. And so we are expanding a little bit outside of this um, to learn a little bit more, I think, about somebody who's created something special and brings um, a great deal into this world through his podcast, through relationships mm -hmm. uh, that Jason just described here as well. And uh, so I think today we're, we're in exploratory territory and uh, looking to learn more from our friend Kevin here uh, and, and see what we can take away from that in lieu of this concept of disrupting an industry before we find ourselves in those, you know, weighted in those waters. Kevin, tell us a little bit more about yourself, um, your podcast, your inspirations, your goals. Like, how did you arrive in this seat with us today? Now, I was 
born into it. You just mentioned my parents yeah. and um, I, I grew up in a home, two parents who were very, they really came out of their, left their upbringings. My dad was, came from Amish uh, background okay. and their pursuit of psychology, of, of understanding and awareness was their salvation. I mean, it really was. So I grew up amongst them being kind of guinea pigs with themselves and even me. I probably took more personality profiles since you know, before <laughs> I was 10 than, than anybody has in a lifetime. And so the aspect of personal development and personal growth and bettering ourselves was just part of my family's ethos. So I got to grow up with that amongst that going to conferences with my dad and even as i went into other areas of life that was always the interest i spent a long time as a pro cyclist and at the end of that ended up kind of developing an organization and seeing how can we help people in all areas of this life through this platform you know realizing if you have any platform where you have some expertise you've got influence yeah. and man the power of that and the opportunity of that was immense and so I've gone through a lot of different businesses, uh, some that were just opportunistic, some that I really cared about, but they all really had the same threads of communicating people and, and kind of coming together and say, how can we take a common platform and help each other grow and change? And really how I came to the podcasting, I was leading an organization helping people who wanted to pursue self-employment. and at the end or, or as that progressed, it was just, it's just personal development. You know, the, the employment aspect was just a platform for their lives to live out what they cared about, what they, what their values were. And that led, has continued to lead me into at this point, that's all I talk about. I don't talk a whole lot about business in and of itself. It's, it's all personal development and even how you do that through your business. And it's, and it's just what I, it's just the ideas that I like to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, for me, you know, and listening to some of the, you know, podcasts before, you know, meeting you in person here and uh, coming on here that, that there's this, just this balance that I never could have seen when I first started, you know, with Peaks Recovery Centers, uh, in extrinsic, intrinsic motivators on yeah. top of that work-life balance yeah. as a new owner and excited to disrupt an industry and all these sort of things. Um, I was unaware of all of this language and all of this responsibility really at the end of the day. And what I've learned in time is that there's a great deal of responsibility within running a business within an organization. Namely, yes, we are positioned as an ethos to save lives at Peaks Recovery Centers each and every day, but we are also in a position where we will never succeed on, in, in such a high level ethos if we're not nurturing the culture of the organization and the individuals within that. And just curious through, Kind of your experiences and all the folks that you have met you know how often that comes up as a balance between um you know the the personal family relationships and then the responsibility to those relationships within any type of business setting yeah i've um i've struggled in that as i've always been self-employed and in my intent put family first mm -hmm. And I really did that to a degree, even to the point of sacrificing finances. And I, I never forget a time when my wife, she said, look, the best way you could save our, or serve our family right now is just go make some money. <laughs> you know? uh, or, 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 or better yet, I, I wasn't so bad at making it. I just didn't keep much of it. Okay. And, 
you know, so, so that balance was one. On the other side, when you talk about the company culture, I, am, I have suffered significantly from being the consummate project, purpose, goal-driven guy and not taking care of those around me, kind of taken for, not kind of, taking them for granted in the pursuit of the mission. And I have two organizations that I, that did very well, that I really drove down um, because of that. And it's made me look at how the type of business I want to have. So do I become a better you know, manager and whatnot, or do I have a business where I don't have to do that as much? I've kind of gone that direction, but you still have to employ mm-hmm. people to some degree. And it's really caused me to, to kind of step back and, and look as, as business owners at what type of business do you want to have? I got the unique opportunity to see my dad, Dan Miller, and Dave Ramsey. Uh, most people know Dave as the financial guru, who were buddies together at the time of their demise, uh, and then kind of grew up together. And now today, both very successful and where they want to be. And Dave employs most of Nashville, I think, <laughs> and controls everything. And my dad's the exact opposite, works primarily out of his house and has lots of people who work for him. But it's been interesting to see success and how that comes to people in ways that fit them well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, how did you work through that, you know, once you were aware maybe that you were putting too much into, you know, one bucket as opposed to the other, like, you know, maybe, you know, bring us close to some of the, the challenges for you in that moment and how you balance that. Because I find myself, you know, coming into like my household at times with my wife saying, hey, look, the reason this is a little stressed right now between you and I uh, is okay and important to go through because we have this opportunity over here. And if we get to here, then this is all settled in the background. And there, it seems to me like as a personal relationship, there's like a negotiating going on, you know, at any given time to get it right. Because it, um, it feels big at times to just want to go home and just really elevate this all of a sudden and then like maybe lower it over here but um it feels like more of a project to really get that balance right and curious what you went through uh to arrive at kind of this um piece that you seem to have around gosh that's gracious probably (laughs) um I, I so often, I don't know if it's a fair perspective, but talk to figuring out ways to manage our dysfunctions. Mm-hmm. And I think I say it that way because we, you know, in the industry of personal development and self-help, we have that idea of, you know, you gotta overcome the weaknesses. And as time has gone on, I don't know that I've overcome them as far as eradicating them, mm-hmm. but I have figured out ways to manage them. So even to a degree, you know, mm-hmm. to, to manage them. And so even with work and family, Again, I think I took on what my parents did, and work was not such a separate, dissimilar thing. It was, it was so much of, I was fortunate, privileged, it was so much of, of, of who we are and what we do and the, what we're doing at work is the same thing that we're talking about at the dinner table. And that really helped bring it together. You know, and even today in my office, is kind of like the hub in town with the kids come after school and they see me. And I, I, I had a kid sitting down one time and I was doing some intros and outros for the shows and he hadn't seen, it was one of the kids, but I guess I hadn't seen it. He said, dad, man, you're like a rock star. This is like, awesome. <laughs> well, thanks, man. It was, yeah. it was great to have him see, uh, to see that. 
and to be a part of that to where it's not but you know it's hard to have them involved in everything because yeah so much happens and you come home at the end of the day and go how on earth could i get you guys up to speed yeah. so there's a lot of times when i just don't i just it's just I'm, I'm gonna set that down. I had a friend one time talk about, you know, going into work and picking up that sword. It was his terminology, so that sword yeah. for work. And then coming into his driveway and having to learn, I'm gonna put that one down and pick up a different one. And I probably vacillate, mm -hmm. you know, back and forth. I, I have realized as my kids have gotten older, I've got a lot of kids, so I've got older ones and then still younger ones. The and I should, have, I should have known it from seeing it with my parents or experiencing it, but the inspiration it is to them to see me doing something I am really inspired by, that has been profound. And so in that, talking to them about work and what I do and the relevance of it in their lives is, is significant. It, it, feels, it feels like a great privilege, yeah. honestly. And that probably helps salve a lot of the things because there are the stressors that everybody has man. Yeah. that it, when you say balance that's a gracious word <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, well in uh you know i went and gave a talk at uh university of Colorado, Colorado springs uh, a couple months ago i was invited in an email i kind of didn't know what i was stepping into i think i was in the social work department when i stepped in i think i thought i was going to inspire a bunch of clinicians to come work for you know peaks recovery at the end of the day and I walked in and I thought, okay, there's a hundred students in this room and they're actually looking for something to be said thoughtfully about their direction, their growth, their opportunities. And I thought, okay, I need to change from my puppy chest, coming in here, disrupt, pull in clinical people, got to change my whole narrative. And the best thing I thought to give them in that moment, because I felt it in the room, they were asking the panel really like, how do I obtain my job? What is the next steps to this and this sort of thing? And the, the heartfelt thing that I thought was valuable to bring to them in that moment was, you know, you guys are about to step into a world and ask for your first job. You're about to step into an interview process and what does that look like? And I wanna let you all know that my best interviews are when somebody comes in and interviews us. We're on the table for the job. We're the ones who have to represent that this is gonna be valuable and worthwhile for your effort, eight hours a day, five days a week, 40 hours plus a week, all that sort of stuff. And if you guys can find what you're passionate about and bring that in and be the interviewer in that process, I. I almost guaranteed to them that they would find like fulfillment in their work life and opportunities and see right away where the work life didn't fit. I share all of that because I got two fathers in front of me. Yeah. I myself am not a father uh, in this lifetime. And uh, for that, I think the thing that I wanted to ask just through your experiences and certainly would love to hear your feedback, Jason, is like, you know, uh, what, what advice are we given to the kids in this regard about how to approach these opportunities, about how to find this gracious balance in life between work, family, and these sort of things out of these lived experiences that you've been involved with? I mean, it, it, I appreciate the question and, and really, um, you know, this this crazy journey of being a father is, uh, it is a challenge and, and um, you know, just always putting attuning to the kids seems so important attuning to whatever they need attuning to the conversations they need to have and helping them find their interests and helping them find not just their interests but like themselves seems what's most important at least when i look at that and so um and being willing to have hard conversations and and lean into um just difficult situations and making sure that all topics lead to discussion rather than developing taboo subjects within the family system. And I think 
Um, I'm, I'm certainly not going to give myself an A plus on that in any sort of way either, but I do think kind of conceptually, and I'm sure that does come from my clinical background as well, but that is just conceptually how I think of being a, a father. What about you, Kev? I, I had the fortunate opportunity of having some kids. We had three and thought we were done and then realized we weren't and had a bunch more. And so I can see the mistakes I made with the older ones and go, oh yeah, that didn't work. Let's do this different over here. And yeah, that going yeah. from the, you know, in essence, the, the, the preaching to the just joining in a discussion and yeah. having questions. And man, what you said about, you know, looking at work has has continued to come up as i have older kids we look at the job we look at the opportunity we look at the pay we look at the title we look at that we don't look at in 60 days who am i going to have been sitting next to all day long mm -hmm. and in what environment is there a window what's the noise like what's the what's the the ethos of the company what's the atmosphere like man we don't look at that and yet so often what drove or what attracted us there 60 90 days later it, it doesn't matter if some of those core minute to minute things are in disarray. Mm -hmm. And so getting to talk to the kids there and look at their quality of life and doing, and my gosh, my dad wrote the book, 48 days to the work you love, you yeah. know? And so working at something that you care about, again, I, I was given that on a silver platter. And so talking with my kids, uh, about that now is so powerful even as you know I have a 17 year old who's working at the local barbecue place yeah. cleaning out the grill and whatever he knows but it's something that he can do right now and uh, others at farmers market you know doing things that they may or may not enjoy but they're learning business which all the kids have done and kind of uh, seeing that pattern out into as they get older to doing things that they that really Again, they don't see such a separation between work and life if what they're working at is a part of who they are. And that's, that's what I would wish for anyone. It grieves me to see, you mentioned you know, the office and some of the things that we poke fun at, the Dilbert stuff. Yeah. And we were talking about retirement early and, and the people, I'm so privileged to know people who love what they do. They, the retirement's not even, they're just looking at how they can elongate their life so they can keep doing it. Right. And we have such a sea of people over here who do not enjoy their days. They're looking to retire, which, and when they do, it's generally not a good picture. And mm. man, what a paradigm shift. Yeah, absolutely. We were talking before the episode that sometimes, you know, and the viewers know I get pretty puffy chest about disrupting this industry and, uh, you know, brute force moving through it and highlighting problems with it without pointing at particular companies. We've got to have some grace about this. We've come our own journey, you know, yeah. as well too. Jason, you know this. We have been anything but uh, perfect at times trying to figure out how to do this right, how to provide better care and so forth. And so as I shared with you guys in the beginning, there's ways in which I come in and I, f and I believe wholeheartedly on both ends of the spectrum that we can get this right and we can do this. And on this side of it, it's like nothing's in our way of doing it. On this side of it, it's kind of a fear like Maybe I'm making bigger statements than I can actually do. Like, it starts to feel impossible the more and more I, you know, move out from the picture in that regard and um, kind of, you know, bringing that or inviting that back into this discussion. Um, are there times in which, like, maybe you felt like you're a bit over your ski tips or a bit over the bicycle in this regard from your bicycling <laughs> uh, journey and adventures in life, you know, where you felt like maybe this is bigger than what I set out to do. And if that's true at all, then, you know, how did you move through that or move past that? Or how did you, you know, uh, who did you bring close to you to, you know, pull you through those moments? 
Yeah, um, uh, most of the things were a little overwhelming, but that's what motivated me. Um, and again, I was given such a gift to see my, my parents, my dad especially, try so many things. There's a guy, um, uh, Joe Hansen, hey, he wrote the book, The Medici Effect, and he talked about entrepreneurs in there. And it's such a pithy little thing, but it always stuck with me. He says, we find that they're not great risk takers. They're not so brilliant, whatever. They just are willing to try more things than the average person. Man, it stuck out to me. And so I, I've, I've gone forward trying so many different things, a lot of them that felt like I, mean, I have no business doing this, but I had yeah. faith that you know it'll, yeah. it'll work out. And if it doesn't work out, I'm not gonna die. Yeah. And so would go after things. But what you're talking about, I mean, I, I love the word disruption. I've always thought of myself as a, as a rebel, but I've also hurt myself going that direction, thinking, what, man, what's happening out there is it's totally stupid. That's the dumbest thing. We're going to do it totally different, and we're just going to kill it. And, and in retrospect, realizing that there's some balance of being disruptive, and there's also a benefit of holding on to some of the tenets that we do know work. Mm-hmm. Um, even like with, you know, in the online sales industry, there's some things that you want to disrupt, but man, if you get into a shopping cart, in essence, people are used to Amazon. If you go really left field and it doesn't look kind of like Amazon, they're just not going to buy. They don't trust it. So just look like Amazon in that part of it. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe do something different over here and sell yeah. an actual quality product and, and whatnot. So what's that balance between disruption and some of the, the norms that people are comfortable with and kind of kind of back to the old marketing thing of giving people what they want so you can give them what they need and you know it's it's a it's a process and I haven't always been so great in my efforts to disrupt in honoring some of the process and I can come in mm-hmm. chest puffed out bull on a china shop and, and um and and just nobody has any footing so I've done that and so now what do I do I'm a little more patient I, I tried, I used to be so proud of the, you know, aim fire. We'll get ready later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I still like that. I still like crafting my life around that. But like with my recent podcast revision, it was a big decision. I mean, there's a lot of money riding on it. And so I was patient. I didn't pull the trigger. And I, and I sought more counsel than I probably ever have from, from peers, from, you know, beyond peers and even from my own audience mm-hmm. and uh, really tried to be wise and, and a little more patient. I still love being impatient, but yeah. in some ways, at least for me, relative to me, yeah. be a little more, a little more patient and seek a little more counsel has been a big part of my growth as of late. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. Cause I, and Jason, you know, on my, my uh, LinkedIn page, I've, I've fired off a couple, yeah, you do like to be disruptive on there. a couple of, you know, uh-huh. puffy chest moments, but I've since doing that, you know, and, and also in reviewing, you know, a couple of your podcast episodes re- recently as well too, I thought I'm really coming new into LinkedIn as a market, you know, peaks recovery going back four years ago, abandoned foot marketing principles. We went all online, uh, which I'm super grateful for as a decision. I think it's powerful. I think it gives us a, you know, a greater reach. I think it has, in a great way, uh, being in a studio like this led to a lot of our success uh, along the way. But in that way, we've been silently growing and doing our thing and discovering ourselves and our processes in the background. And the industry doesn't really know a lot about us. It, particularly here in the state of Colorado in a way that they really knew about us 2017 and prior because we were actively engaged with them in a big way. And 
through that time experience, I feel like, you know, in a way I've been, you know, some people told Peaks to live the, the ethics of the industry. So we went and did that. And then what happened, I saw those people turn around and not live those ethics. And mm -hmm. it's hard not to be, you know, resentful in hindsight of that as well, too. Um, so again, I got my LinkedIn page open and now I'm just find myself staring at it. I got a ton of things I just want to type in there and send and eat that world and take that and here's your disruption, you know, and all those sort of things. But, um, you know, I'm just learning in the process through, you know, books and podcasts and other people who've done it, you know, before us that there is some important sensitivity to just kind of staring at the page thinking, how do I want this message to come out? How do I want people to receive this? Uh, because it's important that they receive it well if I'm going to do anything of the disruptive, you know, yeah. type in that regard. And, um, and I, yeah. I guess maybe that's kind of in a way recapitulating, I think, a lot of what I received in what you just said. But um, is that kind of familiar to you as kind of like in your growth um, and journey, just kind of finding those moments to be more still and patient when you uh, or taking that step back when you talk about being patient? Daily, um, honestly, daily. I, I'm so um, recently, I, so I'm in the middle of a, of a book deal and you know, there's, there's timelines and whatnot and, and I found myself a couple weeks ago looking in my focus, I could get up in the morning, I've got to finish this book or you know, finish this chapter. And had a, I had a friend, it was actually a class, uh, like a membership group that I have, and, but we do it, it's kind of almost like a round table type discussion. And I don't know that they brought this to me, but through what they were saying, I extrapolated and it was, you know, who, who am I serving? Who, who it's, it's again, so pithy and elementary, but who am I serving? And so often I get my panties on a wad to go get this thing done, pull the trigger and then make it, you know, figure it out. And and don't sit back and go, who, what was the point of this? Right. I mean, this book, the point was a Saturday morning. I, I know the date and I was sitting there and it was just something on my heart to share with my older kids that I realized some things that I had not done well and, and uh, regretted being aware of some of my values and directions that I was going and I wanted this for them. That's where it started. And to sit back thoughtfully and, and being present and Kind of, I just think I get my spirit right, you know, mm -hmm. within it. What am I doing this for? Who am I doing this for? Why am I doing this? Take a deep breath. And, and that's daunting to me, honestly, because I can realize how many hours, days, whatever, I can just be plowing ahead. And it's not that I'm disassociated from my values at right. all, but I can still go at it a different way. And it's really great having a highbrow editor who goes, dude, this doesn't make sense. I, you're right. I don't know where I was when I wrote that thing and kill that and write something new. And they, it's brilliant. I know I just, but I, that's daunting to know that I can go, I can go astray again, not off of values, morals, and ethics, but just in my communication and the heart of, of what I'm doing. So being drawn back to that, yeah, is to be I, I, the word that's so common now for me is just to be contemplative. Can I just, and seek counsel, those, those two, instead of just going ahead, which is great if you're a pro cyclist, man. It doesn't matter what's happening. No excuses, no limits, man. It's just pedal to the metal. That works there. It doesn't, it's, it's not what I have, it's not what I've benefited most from in my life and in my work as far as what's most meaningful. Again, I love, I love disruption yeah. and, and being a rebel and pulling the trigger and making things happen. And some of that's just fun. Yeah. Um, but for what has been most 
sustaining. Mm -hmm. It's been through a more contemplative, caring, getting my heart right yeah. aspect. Yeah. You know, I, I shared with, uh, you know, Jason, you know this journey with, you know, my brother Chris Burns, who's also a, uh, an important host on uh, these episodes. Uh, also, again, team, check him out on the TikTok, follow his pounding of the heart and all that energy, and mm -hmm. um, just want to honor my brother there. Uh, and we talked a little bit how I, before the episode, how I obtained this role, you know, in, um, of, you know, chief executive officer in uh, June of 2020, around that time. And I've been in this now for two years as a seat. The company is eight years old. Chris was the six years before that. And I take so much of his, now he had, I think, a better heart about it in a way. When I think about rebellion and that sort of thing, I don't want to say he was straight rebel. He had a big heart for the process and the journey we were on. But man, he smashed through some walls, you know, and just blew things out of the water. Things like I would look at and be like, oh, we're going to lose it all. You know, it's, it's, it's moving way too fast. We got to slow down. But at the same time, I can, within this role, I'm in alignment with what you're stating about what is more sustainable, you know, having this, balance, this uh, charitable balance between, you know, re rebellion and taking a step back, being patient, yeah. uh, knowing your heart and your journey. But it was so important, I think, that Chris was the beginning of this journey because I don't think we would be here or we would yeah. look a lot different if I were in this, if I were in the role for those first six years. So yeah. out of that, just curious where sort of that rebellious feature you know, you've seen in kind of reflection of it had, had greatly worked for you because it is important, I think, to have that, you know, just point at the barrel and shoot, you know, and go for it. And just curious about, you know, before you found or worked yourself into that balance where um, you saw that rebellion really working for you or where it's important to deploy that rebellion in hindsight, you know, Gosh. maybe for the viewers or people thinking about how do I, how do I bring this beast out, but at the same time, like, I know I got to contain it at some point, but where do I deploy it? You know, something around there. Yeah, I, I, I like the concept of that. And I think I look more so now at seasons and cycles for things. And there's a season for the rebellion and the disruption and to break things up and to create the opportunity. And then there's a season for, okay, now let's figure out how to run this well and maintain this well. And that's not uh, a skill of mine and I've had to employ other people. There's a guy I had on the show, I've had him a couple times, Jonathan Fields. Mm -hmm. His first book, um, I don't remember the name of, uh, it was a really good book though. <laughs> uh, but his second one is called Spark and he created this, it's kind of like another personality profile type thing, but his is really just focused on work and what sparks you with work. And I really like it, it's so simple and it was just so significant. It didn't surprise me, but it was neat for me to see that I am, they call it a maker. Mm -hmm. I like a blank sheet of paper and an idea and let's create a framework. Mm -hmm. Then I'm done. That's kind of all I want to do. Mm -hmm. And so if that's the case, then I've got to have some other people with me to help balance that out. Again, it's elementary stuff, but as, as whether it's entrepreneurs or just people, even creatives, you know, to realize that I've got so many friends who are artists and they're great at that breaking through and creating something like that. And then they don't know how to do another one or to keep their life going in the meantime or their family going or they don't know how to sell it or run a business and these things. Sometimes I think we don't see the most brilliant people ever come to fruition because they don't. Mm -hmm. They can't get their crap together. So, we get, so I'm a second tier uh, guy who, maybe not the most brilliant, but just enough to keep stuff together to bring it to market. And yeah, so looking at that, I, I love the having to break through um, the rebellion 
or, or use the rebellion to break through. We, Jason knows we built a, a crazy house. I, was, I almost was going to bring this up, actually. <laughs> it's just a good example of this. So we built a, a, straw, a house out of straw bale. So it's a, okay. And you hear about that, and you see these little homes. Ours is not a little home. It's a big, it's a big house. It's a 4,800-square-foot box, a first floor and second floor, post and beam, but then it's infilled with straw bales. And it's totally weird. It worked. It's really good insulation, but it's really weird. <laughs> I remember thinking, like, have you ever heard of the three little pigs? Like, yeah, I know. Everybody, house, every, yeah. Everybody, everybody says that. But in doing this thing, I mean, I just thought, man, I bought the land. I'm just going to build whatever I want to. I was that naive. And I realized, no, you don't just go build whatever you want to. And whatever city or, or county you're in, they're going to tell you. And we literally came to points where they said, you cannot do that. Uh, they wanted to make us put a, 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 a she, uh, like the weather shield kind of stuff around it. And you can't do that. These things have to breathe. That'll ruin it. You, yeah. we can't, well, you can't do that. It's against code. And so many times I've found myself in business and different places where it's just, it's a hard no. Mm-hmm. It, but it, you can't, it can't be. It, you can't accept that. And to, and to realize that you can generally work through that. And it's, mm-hmm. man, what a faith builder. Yeah. I, I want people on the rebel side and the disruption side to, to realize and there's really not anything that can't be to some degree or to a great degree. It can't, it, it, it can be, but it's, you're going to pay a cost. Mm-hmm. You're going to, I mean, can you, are you the type of person that can withstand that? And, and that doesn't need to be all people either. Right. I think I've gone through a time of thinking everybody needs to be that way. Thank God yeah. that everybody is not that right. way because I'm good to get through to that point, like to disrupt, to get through. But if we're going to maintain this thing, we're, we're to, it's going to dive. And I've, I've done that again. I've got, I've, I think, for my book thing they you know do in the bio and I've started 19 businesses I've killed we we didn't do the number of how many I killed mm-hmm. I mean I killed them <laughs> because I didn't do I didn't I did I just did the disruption and rebel and got the opportunity going and it went boom and boom and there's my trajectory with a lot of things yeah and uh yeah I'm I'm hopefully this podcast will be here in a year yeah you know <laughs> but, but I, I think it will be yeah absolutely and and uh you know and pardon me again for you know listening, uh, being inspired by listening through, but trying to collect the authors and so forth on the episodes that have, um, have come through your podcast. And one of them, again, I was trying to, before the episode, talk about him. Uh, you wrote a book, Success of Something, uh, or a book around success. But um, what caught me in the episode is he said, staff the liabilities. And it seemed to really catch your attention. Yes, uh, that was a recent one. Yeah, yeah, it was really recent. Yeah, one of the, one of the recent ones uh, in that regard. But it seems, to be, it seems to be a big part of kind of what you just communicated that, yeah, maybe I'm up here at times as the leader and maybe I'm just down in the flow, but at the same time, I've recognized through my rebellions that I can't possibly do all of the things I wish to disrupt or without the inclusion of this team environment. Mm-hmm. And so um, just curious about how in that moment in the podcast, you know, kind of as a language, um, it seems like uh, a lived experience for you and, and yeah. what makes sense for you around staffing the liability. Oh my gosh, yeah, you're totally right. I'm, I just am so regretful I can't pull up uh, who, who it was. That, looking at personality profiles, uh, a lot of people know that, well, any of them, Dis, Myers-Briggs, whatever, but you look at your strengths and, you know, from a vocational standpoint especially, you know, I was, I was really brought up and I'm grateful for, man, you, you want to live in your strengths. I mean, I want to live as kind of that maker thing. I, I want to create something and I want to live in there as much as I can. And I don't really want to screw around with my weaknesses. I just, 
but I didn't really look at staffing them and taking care. I just didn't want to deal with them. I'm just going to go here and live in my strengths. And that's where we see my trajectory of, you know, a big win and then a big, heck, I was like that as a cyclist. I was an incredibly mediocre pro cyclist. And it would be on the podium one week and the next week, I'm, I can't even hold on to the weakest guy. And, uh, and so this is a common, common thing. But, you know, looking at the, at the strengths and, I was just so focused on that and not so much on staffing the liability as this wise guy who I can't call up his name um, said. And that has been, I, it's just a lot of regret, honestly. I'm a, uh, I just had Dan Pink on the show. He has the power of regret. I, I had him on the show immediately. Well, I know who Dan is, but because I've always felt like I'm not a no regrets person. I've got a lot of them. I'm grateful for the wisdom I have from them. That's redemptive and stuff. But I look back and go, man, I hurt people. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I wouldn't, I'm not okay with that. And there is a, a lot of that of not uh, staffing the, uh, yeah, the, 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 the weakness or, or whatnot. And I, uh, man, I have regrets there. So when he said that, it's, it stuck out to me as that's where I am now. And I'm, I'm literally at a point of, employ- I have more people I say employing, not that I'm paying independent contractors primarily, even from the, you know, the big publishing deal. I've actually employed another big name editor because I want it to be great. And they hold me accountable. I got to show up for the deadline, which is good for a guy like me. And they help me see what I'm, I'm missing. And I haven't been there before and I'm having more success now than ever. It's a consummate story, but I look back and um, I have some regrets of how long it took me to staff the liability mm-hmm. in my life. And I would say that's past work. That's even into my parenting and marriage. And <laughs> yeah, we can go across the board at that one. Okay. Well, I appreciate that feedback. And um, I'm glad that, uh, or I'm, I'm glad to see in a way that I got the same, uh, you know, sort of uprising of excitement or um, focus on it in the way that I heard in that podcast moment as well, too. It's cool to be a part of this with you and experience that passion. And you know, one of the things that's coming up for me as well too, and I, I think inevitably I wanna take this home and talk more about uh, the self-helpful uh, podcast a little bit before taking it out for an exit, but um, so much within a work environment, what I've learned over time, and I think it's a common learning experience for a lot of folks is, you know, the first things I dealt with in our work environment, the negativity I received was like at a conference talking about an ethics or something and the negativity as an, or the negative experience would be like, oh man, we're not doing that. I think we got, I gotta get that right. I'm gonna write that down, I'm gonna take it back, right? And now like within this role as a CEO and certainly as a chief clinical officer, probably taking more negativity from the patient demographic, not because they are intending to be negative with us, but because they are suffering as individuals. And for that reason, their strategies become external rather than internal. They point at all the things in front of us. And with each and every passing year, I think I've got resilience. You know, we can have a patient a few weeks ago, like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, sue peaks or something of this nature, right? They have aggression, they have discomfort, they want, control and power in ways in which they don't have it. You know, and we walk through those moments and I can hear those things well now and I can walk through those moments with patient journeys. You know, at the same time this week, all of a sudden we've deployed so much effort into quality programming around saving lives, disrupting industry, deploying our core values. And what came up this week, Jason? The The landscaping. landscaping. (laughs) Of all things, I have never, in eight years, I have never heard somebody say, you know what's wrong with this place? You know what I can't stand here? The landscaping. And I think, and I'm like awesome. partly devastated by it because we're putting so much energy into these projects to empower them. And now it's like this new sort of negative feature. And so 
for all wow. of the things that I'm learning and for all the ways I, I think I'm building resilience, like I, these little tiny frustrations that you know, we receive from our patient demographic become really big things. And I find myself like, did we arrive eight years into this to lose everything over landscaping you know, <laughs> yeah. here at Peaks Recovery Centers? And curious from your experiences, because no doubt in different ways you've been poked at or prodded at, you know, um, you know, maybe negativity is a strong word here, but you know, so probably in your experiences you experienced what felt like negativity and then over the course of this journey that you've been on, you know, how do you find yourself building the resilience, moving through it? Are you, are you seeing somebody like Jason on the side? You know, is it a, is it a spiritual journey? You know, what is it about your path that allows you to show up even in moments of which like, wow, this is seemingly fairly negative and I didn't know this was going to happen today? Goodness, that's a big question. It is. Um, I have not been in tune to the negativity as much as I, I wish I had more. Um, there's a you know, story told of you know, earthquakes and hurricanes and tornadoes get all the press, but there's a lot more damage done throughout the year by, by, uh, by termites. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was little, little things, and, I, and I've seen that, like being resilient. I yeah. think I'm, I'm resilient until I'm not, right. until the day comes and, and I'm not. Man, coming to my own end. I mean, yeah, if you want to get personal, do I? Yeah, I, I, I have counselors um, <laughs> and, and that I've come to because I thought I was X and that I was capable and resilient, whatever, until the day came or the moment came, and all of a sudden I realized I'm not, man. I'm at my end. This is new. And, you know, you don't experience it till it gets acute enough that you experience it. I mean, this is your yeah. business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And looking at that, you know, now I, I am much more, I'm learning to be much more attentive to those little things that they build up. I mean, I'm, I'm involved a lot in the health and wellness industry. And, you know, again, you're usually going, you, you don't, right today we go, man, I've, I'm smoking, you know, 10 packs a day and I haven't had cancer yet. <laughs> I'm not going to until all of a sudden I do and, yeah. and then you know game over possibly Man, I don't want to be I don't want to be there so what am I so again back to being you know present what are the things that are what are the rubs today what are the things that are stressing my resilience am I okay with that or am I just enduring through the day and getting past it but it's going to build up and man that accumulation we just had a show on age and ageism and not dispelling the, the, the relevance of chronological daily aging, but it's not really the age, it's the wear and tear. It's the same thing we see with the cars. It doesn't matter if it's got 100,000 miles on it. It matters on how it was driven over those 100,000 miles. It may have another 300,000 mile, miles or maybe toast. <laughs> and, and there we are, whether it's our health and wellness, whether it's our emotional uh, capacity, whether it's our business health and man, I, I have not stayed attuned to those little things again I've done well in my role but I have you know and in that I would say in that am I going to be the guy that notices those small things probably not okay so that's why I employ and I can you know give the list of people who are contacting me you know today and and, and even have the thought I, I recently just you know tasked somebody I go look at the stats what's happening we made the name change where is everything going I can't even figure it out I don't want to figure it out I did have the thought to have it figured out I'll pay you to go figure it out and let's make sure a termite's not eating away hmm. at that so you know it's the the wisdom that comes with I, I some of it I 
I get, I'll take credit for wisely, maturely coming to, but oh, man, so much of it I came to when it got acute. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for that. I, you know, so much of it's, it's, uh, it's been such a journey and, and Jason has been just as much a part of the growth of our organization as anything with an ownership title, these sorts of things. Um, just been a tremendous asset, so I know it resonates to yeah. uh, for the room in general to walk through our growth experiences, our rebellion moments, you know, all of those sort of things. And I think, you know, I got into this business and I think, okay, yeah, we're going to save lives, we're going to do this, and then it becomes about, you know, the landscaping on, you know, one day. And I, the, That's the a great I, story. <laughs> the reason I appreciate your, your shared journey with it as well, too, is so many young entrepreneurs, so many people who experience that rebellion and wanting to disrupt, and there's so many things we can disrupt in this world, mm -hmm. positively speaking, uh, in that regard, that aren't aware of the potential you know, lacunas and tripwires and things along the way that they're going to experience, whether it's the balancing of you know, employee relationships at work while also being attuned to the responsibility maybe we share as an organization for individuals' livelihoods at home. Maybe it's the landscaping, these small little things you can't see along the way that people are going to throw at you that you can't experience. But in a way, um, lived experiences and showing them that these opportunities can be obtained and to just be aware of these things because we have the experiences of learning them in real time through our you know, uh, our rebellion, you know, type attitudes. And so yeah. I think these, these shared stories are just so important for people looking to inspire their own growth journeys, whether within a company or being their own entrepreneurs. And, uh, you know, kind of bringing it full circuit, I said how I desire to kind of, you know, take this out with you today. I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, self-helpful from your perspective and what you're trying to, because I know you brought several podcasts together into this one what was what were you seeing in these uh, alternative podcasts that were like you know what these are good but I think they go together you know better as a blend or what what inspired and brought this journey together ultimately for this podcast that you're working on now and also uh, with that shared experience um, what are you hopeful that people are receiving from your podcast what do you want them to walk away inspired of or attuned to or um, what is that experience, you're, that, that ethos you're really trying to deliver? Yeah, some of the questions are just uh, the responses. Looking at the podcast industry, talk about a place of disruption. It's still such the Wild West yeah, yeah. It is. of things changing and me looking at it. And I started a while ago and things were kind of static. And um, I mean, my, uh, I was fortunate to, to have some success early on with it but uh, you know I, ha I had this show called the Ziggler show it was based on Zig Ziggler's teachings and there's a story behind how that happened but so I took that on and it, man, it did really well and then I co-founded a functional medicine practice with a friend of our yeah, uh, yeah. with a friend of ours and he and I are constantly talking about I mean, we're talking about health and wellness, but it's the same thing. He's, he's on the other side of the wall talking to one patient about how to change the trajectory of their life and change their health and wellness. And I'm on a microphone to tens of thousands of people talking somewhat similar, but they're both subject to our ability to inspire the person to do anything. All the, all the information he can give that person is still dependent on them walking out the door and them doing it. Same thing with me on the microphone. But we're talk, having these conversations. We thought, man, that'd be, be a great podcast. So we started this separate podcast because it was a little outside, and that was a true life podcast. And then I get this 
inspiration for a book and a book deal and thought, okay, let's, let's do one there. And I'm doing three podcasts and it's just, it's still me. Yeah. It's still me. It all overlaps. So some of it was that and just the, the structure of, of that, but also looking at podcasting and what do people want? Kind of back to that thing. What do they, if I want, here's what I, I, I want to give them what they need. I want them to do this, but what do I give them what they want? And you just mentioned story. Mm-hmm. Man, that is not my natural, I'm not a storyteller. Okay. I just don't. I'm a bullet point guy. Okay. I don't have a whole lot of patience for stories. I, I mean, I like a good movie, yeah. you know, but, um, man, that's, that's not what people want on a podcast. They want to hear the stories. And I'm getting irritated at somebody <laughs> deviating off here. And I'm like, let's get back to the point. <laughs> and that's not what people want. They yeah. want to hear the story. They want to hear the rabbit trail. They want to hear the context because that's what they relate to. I mean, we, it's stereotypical stuff, but I wasn't doing that well. So it was me stepping back again and going, what do people want? Asking them, looking at the things that are working well, talking to peers who are in the industry right now and saying, how can I best, so if I have this thing that I want to deliver, how can I best do it? And that was looking at best business practices in, in some sense. That was not a disruptive thing, mm-hmm. you know. Now, on the disruptive side though, so with self-helpful, which was, I mean, even from the name to the graphics to everything, we're out there playing the game. How can we do well to get people to see this, notice it, download the show? But now in the show, what can I do? So I, it's interesting, I, I did a stand-up desk. I had a custom, natural wood stand-up desk for my studio so awesome. i'm i'm up well it, it won't be in a minute okay hold on i got an awesome <laughs> he just got desk one story. well no yeah. i like the stand-up <laughs> desk I, I have that at my regular desk and so but i had it at the podcast i thought man it'll help the energy man i'll be i'll be on it i now have a stupid tall stool <laughs> at my podcast so that i'll just calm down we had a guy says it sounds like Kevin is just like the ADHD poster child because I'm just I, I get I get going so I need to drink a glass of wine if I could think clearly just to go calm down take a vibe and and chill out because people don't want the fast pay they want a more slow contemplative and I'm getting better feedback from that mm-hmm. so it's even changing you know my style and and getting more into the story now I do have my points though. I mean, I, I yeah. spend a lot of time and, and, I, and I pull out, I had a guy on today and his, uh, Tyler Merritt, he has a video. If you look it up, it's called before you call the cops. So he's a six foot two dreadlocked black guy. And it's, it's talking on racism, but I didn't want to really just focus on racism. We've kind of, we've, we've done that. So I really wanted to talk about marginalization and stereotyping that is relevant to pretty much anybody but white American men for the most part you know everybody's experienced that and so I get to take it down that path and so even as we veer and whatever I I know I have the avatar of the people that I'm talking to that I that I want to serve with this message so I can bring it back and weave that and that's something that's important to me because it's not just a willy-nilly show to go off and end up talking about landscaping or green velour couches or something. I do have a point here. Yeah. And that's my responsibility and my joy and opportunity, you know, in the show. So that's one piece of it. And then uh, a new piece of the show that's a little bit of a disruptor, it's different, is looking at them as not just a one-shot deal. So Tyler, I had him on today, we recorded, and you're going to hear a part one, and it's talking about that main message of marginalization and stereotyping. And then there's going to be a part two where they hear 
behind the scenes? What are his values in these key areas of life? What are his habits amongst those? It's really a personal thing. People, I've, I've actually tried to discontinue it and people really like hearing it. They love hearing the, they resonate with that. And it almost always brings in aspects of their person's core message because that's what they're about. And then I do a third part on this on that person with someone else though with a peer in essence a co-host and we'll talk about that and, and hear it so if it's especially if it's on health and wellness i'll talk to randy james yeah. dr randy james and, and he'll say yeah this is how this is working out or what i'm dealing with with my literal patients and so the people get a three-part series because i think we need more than just a one shot of this right. great message and then we go on to the next one and we're in such a consumption society i do it too i want the next yeah. book the next show the next whatever instead of realizing, no, that's actually so significant, I should probably not read or listen to anything but that for the next year, so that I actually make some kind of a change. So I'm trying to address that by giving people a bit of a series. So it's again, playing with that, give them what they want, but then I think that they would be served best. We know statistically repetition helps and engagement and whatnot. So there's the tension, the balance, however you wanna call it. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, because I'm gonna walk away with a lot of that. I th you know, when I, when I sit in this host sheet, host seat, one of the things that I think is so important is there are so many, there's so many uh, illnesses within our industry that just don't work, that are profoundly inappropriate at times. And I want to empower the family systems, you know, that are, you know, going to sit down for an hour, 20 minutes, however long these episodes go for, to go, okay, that's good information. My loved one's suffering. Colorado's too far for me, but I'm going to call this facility and I'm going to give them what Brandon Burns just told me to ask in that yeah. regard. But at the same time, you know, I always joke with Jason, like, I'm a better host, Jason's yeah. kind of a host, you know, and Chris, <laughs> and we, we challenge each other in those ways, but, you know, to the point, you know, these two guys are getting a lot more love and appreciation and following. I don't take that personally, but what I take away from this as well, too, is just, how do I bring the story closer? Like, these illnesses I talk about, it's one thing to throw the rock at it and break the mirror, right? It's another thing to say, let me describe what a patient journey looks like up until this moment and why it's inappropriate. Yeah. And, you know, for me, that's just positive feedback and another way that I can nurture this seat, you know, that I'm sitting in. So I greatly appreciate that. Uh, to take this out uh, on... Uh, uh, in a way is to kind of steal an outro that I I can't remember the name of the podcast, forgive me out there if this is like your shtick uh, at the end, but what I thought was cool about the end of it and why I'm compelled to do it here is you seem like a, uh, you don't seem like a person, you are the person who I experience as reading many books, meeting many people and be inspired by many things. And so one of the outros of this podcast uh, is that he asked the person to recommend three books uh, in that regard. <laughs> Um, and uh, before we plug your show at the end of this, I'm curious about which three books you would recommend to maybe the audience here at Finding Peaks that's led to where you're at, that you know maybe in time has worked for you or that is more working for you today, but maybe three books you can give us to kind of go peruse in the background that inspires you. It's the worst question ever. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to do that. I get that, I, I, I do, I get the privilege of so many books and every book to me is pretty much a nugget, something that just resonated, rocked my world. And, and I'll remember that and not remember the book. But, uh, you know, historically, there are, there are a couple. You mentioned Donald Miller. Yeah, and man, I'll never forget reading his book, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, yeah. about what makes a good story. Mm -hmm. He goes through, he actually went to a, a scriptwriter, famous yeah. scriptwriter. Yeah. yeah. And McKay. 
Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what makes a good story? A character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. Dude, that is a philosophy of life right there. When we look at what matters to us, what matters to, to other people, uh, was so significant and just what is living a good story. I, I literally bought cases. I had a business at the time and I gave those books uh, away and I still appreciate that. And again, it was, it was a nugget. He has a whole book and I, a couple things stuck out to me that have been... Uh, that have really been anchors. Um, I'm uh, on the, I say the spiritual side, but it's really a life side, yeah. is uh, Dallas Willard. I'm a big fan of, and his you know, Spirit of the Disciplines is one I tend to go back with. Honestly, one that I have probably referenced uh, more than others, and it's a, it's a little outside of uh, left field for even my audience somewhat, is Anthony DeMello. He has a book called, it's either Aware or Awareness. And he's, a, I think he's a Jesuit, he's dead now, but Jesuit priest and philosopher and might've been a psychologist. I think, no, he's a psychologist too. And um, it is one of the most blatant call you out books that I have ever read. As a matter of fact, I heard about it from Tim Ferriss, the four hour work week guy. I don't know. I don't even listen to the guy, but somehow I, I heard, I, I heard it from him and it caught my eye. And that is one that I continue to go back to. Yeah. It's, it's a hard question because it's a, such a disservice because I read so many books yeah. and I get so many life changing pieces for me that I relate to you know, over and over and over that to say one book is so difficult that I don't recommend books a whole lot unless somebody has something and I have something that's really acute. Yeah. I have a hard time um, recommending books, but the ones that I go back to, um, I'm, I'm really into a guy named Terry Real right now, psychologist, and uh, his books, he really specializes in guys and he's kind of rocking my world. I, I love the ones that disrupt me. And okay. then back nice. to your term, I love the ones that disrupt me. I mean, we all like to be confirmed and I like right. to read confirming things, but the ones that disrupt something and I see something hasn't been working and you just called it out. I just, there's nothing more exciting than I get that in these shows. I mean, I working today with, you know, talking today with Tyler Merritt and he's talking about, you know, race and I'm a privileged, privileged white guy and I have a lot of ignorance and lack of confidence, I think, in that realm. And he really helped me see some different things. So I'm writing notes. I'm writing, again, it's free therapy. Yeah. What a great job. <laughs> yeah. well, I appreciate that. And before I do our little uh, outro piece here, I think into the camera, sell us on self-helpful. When is it out? When is it, when do the episodes come about? All of those sort of features, maybe the book, when yeah. it's coming out? Um, uh, self-helpful, I mean, if you go into Apple or wherever and type in self-help or Kevin Miller, uh, it'll, you'll, You'll come up with it, self-helpful. Um, I think selfhelpful.co just goes to the Apple page, but you can find it. You can find it uh, uh, anywhere. We post on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Friday is Functional Friday. And we talk with my buddy Randy James, and we talk really to health and wellness specifically. But uh, the Mondays and Wednesdays, and it's always a series. So you're going to see a part one, part two, part three with each guest, with each topic. It, it's something that I wish that I had in some of the other podcasts that I listen to where I'll hear this incredible message. It's just one and gone. And I want, I want more. So I get to go and just find the person and get them on my show, which is what I'm doing now. Yeah. Awesome. Um, but that's where we are. Social media, same thing. I think everything's at kevinmiller.co or kevinmillerco on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. Okay. 
title for a book or things that you want to lead to the future? Well, thanks. I forgot about yeah. that. It's called What Drives You. Okay. And it's really looking at, honestly, drive, and we're talking about marketing, it's a good hook. Uh, people want to be driven, and we're looking at that, but it's ultimately bringing people to question what are their values in these key areas of life. And it will probably be out in the spring of next year, 2023. Okay. okay. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Well, Kevin Miller, so nice to meet you in person, to go from the audio version of you to the in-person, same voice, it's true. Jason, thank you so much for making <laughs> yeah. this possible, bringing Kevin Miller, your friend, on yeah. uh, with us today. And for all the viewers at home, we hope that this was uh, impactful in some way. If anything, I think through the lens of you know folks who've gone through some trials and tribulations uh, within businesses, and hopefully at the end of the day as well too, we can inspire a bit of your journey on the other side of this and also maybe leaving you with some tones of you know things that we have to work through to you know kind of be in a room like this and to have this shared experience together um, so let's keep hope alive out there uh, thoughts questions ideas opportunities finding peaks at peaksrecovery.com love everybody's feedback uh, continue to find us on uh, the Twitters, the Facebooks, the Instagrams, all the things the kids are doing, uh, the TikToks above all, as I mentioned, Chris Burns, uh, our founder, pounding his you know, recovery heart uh, each and every day on that journey and inviting you all to continue that journey alongside him. Um, and I think that's good. Brandon Burns signing off here from Finding Peaks and we'll see you next time.